Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. As last week, just wanted to say a huge thank you to all school staff listening. The work you do has never been more important to the communities you serve. Delighted to be joined today by Stephen Morales, CEO of the Institute of School Business Leadership, Stephen Mitchell, an experienced executive leader, currently interim CEO at Oak Multi Academy Trust. He also runs Keystone, which supports school business leaders, and my colleague Kaylee Foran, lead editor at The Key. So, um, the role of the school business professional is challenging and ever changing, but the scenarios thrown up in the last few weeks have been unthinkable and almost impossible to prepare for. As school closures continue, there'll be even more questions and and problems to navigate. So in this podcast, our expert panel are gonna take a short, medium and longer term view as to what might be be coming and how to tackle it. So uh, welcome everybody, hello. Hi. Hi. And and as ever, before we begin, just like to remind listeners that this is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion and the views that we're all about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, do check out thekeysupport.com. So before we dive into some of the complexities and and challenges that um, COVID-19 crisis has thrown up, let's let's start with some, some positives. Um, what kind of creative, ingenious practice and collaboration have uh, have you all seen in the last couple of weeks? Where are where are people finding their way through? Uh, Steve, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I will. Um, thanks for that. Yeah, I think wherever we see challenges, there's always an opportunity for innovation and doing things in a different way. And What's really heartened me has been over the last couple of weeks, as schools have gone through what is, in that word, unprecedented challenges, we've seen them really rise to the challenges as well. And I, I know that I've seen in the schools I'm working with and other schools across the country where design and technology teams have started to create the NHS and working in partnership. I think that really shows the power of the schools school environment that we have and how it can work with the community as well as not only providing the crucial daycare that it's doing for children and key workers and our vulnerable children. Great thank you and uh, Kaylee anything you'd like to add there? I think it's just been really encouraging to see how quickly school leaders have been thinking on their feet and adapting to these challenges, um, how quickly they've been taking decisions and getting their heads around really complicated issues with, with lots of variables. Um, I think the um, the school's response to the free school meal challenge has been a really good example of this. Mm. Um, school leaders identified the problem and started solving it before the government got there. And um, and they, they did that by really putting the welfare of their children in the foreground and that's been you know that's been really incredible to see and that the same is happening across the country with all kinds of different um school closure issues whether it's whether it is free school meals or safeguarding or whether it's remote learning it's you know it's just a lot of collaboration a lot of creativity which is really great 
yeah, some really dynamic activity. Um, I think it was uh, Laura McInerney on, on Twitter pointing out that whereas Parliament was saying, oh, we can't possibly meet remotely for a while, it's going to take us a really long time to figure this out, you know, schools had about half a week to suddenly flip to doing <laughs> online learning and, 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 and solve these challenges. So as you say, we've seen yeah, some real right. dynamic leadership uh, in these difficult times. And uh, Stephen? Yeah, I mean, so, so beyond the, the practicalities of running a school, and, and I think we're going to come on to some of that um, a bit later on, um, I've been really impressed by the, the, the care and attention that, that I've seen uh, leaders demonstrate to each other uh, and, and their teams. So you know, some, of the, some of the things that, have, that I've witnessed um, um, through conversations uh, I, I include a virtual staff room, a regular team huddle in the morning, uh, the use of applications such as Google Hangouts and Zoom and Teams, which you know, for those in the commercial world would have been bread and butter, but for you know, for an environment that, that isn't used to this kind of technology, mm. we've adapted incredibly well. Um, and, and and using those devices not just for for the purposes of carrying out uh, you know important functions, but for social interaction with colleagues and um, you know. Just, just making sure that, that, that we're checking in with people and, mm. and making sure that, that, that they're okay. Um, so that, that's really, for me, one of the standout things that, that, that's come out of this. And I think, actually, more generally in society, we're seeing that people are thinking more about other people than, than themselves, probably for the first time in quite a long time. Mm. So that, that, for me, is, is, is a reason to feel uh, optimistic. Yeah, and I think it, it, you know, it's really focusing on those shared shared challenges, and as you say, kind of throwing open the staff room doors, and and all schools kind of working working together and supporting each other. Um, that, as you say, has been has been really incredible to see. Um, so we're 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 in this uh, strange kind of new normal. Uh, Steve is in a in a school today where there is one child. Uh, in the school um uh so in this kind of school closure period what what is what is your sense of um where are school business professionals are they are they in school they're working from home what what immediate issues are they they dealing with um and as as schools sort of close entirely run remote learning uh deal with the skeleton provision um what what is your what is your sense uh We'll kick off with Steve again. Yeah, I think generally in the first week after the closeout, I think most school business leaders were finding themselves in the office to some extent, mm. um, having to deal with the logistics of actually trying to get the school to work functionally on a remote basis, working with the staffing rotors, making sure that it was just holding itself together. And this is where I really think school business leaders are really it's a moment of reckoning for them. It's a time when we're not going to go back to a level of recognition that we haven't had previously. It's a definitive time where the profession is recognised and valued. Mm -hmm. And school leaders, both locally within schools and wider across the sector, will actually recognise the challenges of putting a school together and how it works. And that's where SBLs have really thrived in the last couple of weeks and come into their own. Um, increasingly now, I think it's settling down into, dare I say, it's a new sense of normal, mm. where people are able to get themselves onto appropriate rotors, work from home, um, yeah, following the guidance, wherever possible, work from home safely. 
and really driving those day-to-day activities through, we, the rotors are now established and in place in a lot of schools. I'm seeing increasing collaboration across hubs, and I think we may see a bit more of that in the next couple of weeks. Mm. And then there's just the practicalities of doing the day job and uh, cracking on with doing that as well as now and saying, well, how do we get back to opening our schools again whenever that time comes? And, and I mean, things things like the the, the rotor, um, um, free school meals provision, however however that's happening. Are there any um, particular a- advice that you would would give give schools on in terms of those kind of personnel and HR issues um, and and financial um, considerations? Uh, for me, um, my background kind of goes back into disaster relief work before I got involved in education. So you referenced earlier the way the communities come together across the country. And I think that was probably foreseeable because when you get the community fragmenting and going against itself, we had the queues, we had the panic buying, we had all of that mm. across the country. But then you see communities come together and look after welfare. I think that's something that makes humans great yeah, in the way that we do actually look after ourselves. And you're right, the community is pulling together. So as we move forward, um, those putting the staff rotors together, putting the purchasing in place, how do we get the free school meals? Those logistics are best done locally and mm. that's the experience I draw from my back background is um, yeah, if you want a rapid decision trust the people on the ground to make the decision rather than trying to centralise it and command and coordinate and maybe that's where we've seen some problems with the National Free School Meals Programme mm. is it was the wrong issue to try to centralise and coordinate a central solution there's better more pragmatic more practical solutions in play in thousands of schools across the country perhaps now wasn't the time to centralise it I understand the sentiment, I understand the trying to help and uh, you know, certainly trying to secure best value for money. But there's a whole load of research that Harvard Business Review have done. They've got a really great article about when to centralise and when to decentralise mm. um, decisions. And if you want rapidity, trust the people in the field to make those quick decisions. Yeah, yeah and I think that there's something very much about, you know, clarity for the people in those roles uh, are they are they working on their own thing or are they waiting for something else? And sometimes it's the the confusion if you don't know what's happening that that you know you're going to waste effort. You know things don't work in the centre. You know that that's 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 almost more frustrating. Kaylee, what's what's your sense of what these kind of immediate issues have been in terms of the um, the the content that we've been creating and the kind of questions we've been getting? Definitely been from a from. The first thing, obviously, before you can even get to thinking about what learning is going to look like and what education provision is going to look like in the next term, before you even get there, it is, you know, as Stephen mentioned, the the logistical stuff, the operational stuff. How do I clean my school? How many people do I need on a rota? If I've got, you know, 10 kids in school, how many members of the staff is enough? You know, what what does contingency planning look like in this kind of situation? there has been that initial cost concern as schools were thinking about how they're going to provide for um, kids on preschool meals, but but also um, a massive concern around keeping children safe while they're at home, especially those vulnerable peoples. What sort of arrangements do we need? What processes do we need? Um, if we are a hub school who's welcoming in kids from elsewhere, what safeguarding and health and safety procedures do we need to be aware of? How do we keep, if we're in a special school, um, our staff who need to provide hands-on physical care to some of our pupils, how are we keeping those staff safe? It's very health and safety focused so far in, t- in terms of 
operationally speaking and and the kind of the the cost of it all and the budget implications and and all of that stuff will kind of come Mm. later but I think what's been interesting is that um there hasn't been as much you know from what we've seen anyway there hasn't been as much juggling as as you might have expected in terms of um, getting people to cover, getting people, you know, getting teachers or TAs to volunteer to come in and be on skeleton staff. Uh, people have been willing and able to do this so far. And so in a sense, that that big question around logistics mm. of, of staffing hasn't actually been as big of a concern once you get past the, you know, do we need a first aider on site? Do we need a designated safeguarding lead on site? Once you get beyond those questions, actually, people have been willing and able to help. It's that community pulling together thing. So the, the bigger questions have been about health and safety rather than getting enough people onto the site. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, what's your what's your sense from, from ISBL? Yeah, I, I, I think I would, you know, I, I, would, uh, I would concur with, uh, with, with, with colleagues' um, uh, comments, earlier comments, but there's a, there's a few things for me. I mean, I, compliance has been drummed into schools for years and years and years, and and and, and, to, and to an extent, um, even during the crisis, they're waiting for permission to do things. And I think you you alluded to it that they're, they're looking for guidance to, to to think about where to go next. And um, if they're they're waiting for that kind of position from from the centre uh, at a national level then that's stifling the decision-making process and, and, and maybe I, th- I think we need to delegate and trust our local school leaders a little bit more. Um, indeed, you know, my my recommendation to government would be that the ministers themselves trust civil servants a little bit more in, mm. in, in, in moving forward uh, different measures that, that will help. Um, so I think we need to trust ourselves more as a, as a professional community. I think we, we should trust our instincts and, 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 and go with it and not necessarily wait for, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chapter and verse in terms of guidance before we, we act. So, you know, I think we should, uh, we, we should be confident in our ability and, and often our instincts are, are, are very good. And I think we're seeing, we're seeing examples of that, but perhaps we need to see a little bit more. Um, on, on the other issues that, that have been been raised, um, I think I think it's right that that, uh, that people are coming forward and saying we're, we're ready. We want to we want to help the national effort. So if you call on me, I'm prepared to go into uh, into school and, and do whatever I need to. Um, but that needs to be balanced against who physically needs to be in the building and uh, and keeping that to an absolute minimum, so that we keep. We keep the wheels moving, but we also respect the measures that uh, are ultimately saving saving lives. So there's there's a, there's a balance there. Mm. Um, and then uh, before we go into free school meals, which is a, a whole can of worms in and of itself, uh, I, I'd just like to touch on, on on connectivity and devices. So there's a working assumption, and I've learned over the last week uh, a lot about uh, about. The, the extent to which technology isn't available to many people mm. um, and, and so the working assumption is that it's about connectivity but it's not just about connectivity it's about the device itself so many school leaders many SBMs certainly many members of support staff don't have a device um, and they certainly don't have a work device that they can they can take they can take home um, and then you're into the whole issue of GDPR and, 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 and compliance when you're you know, managing sensitive data on a device that isn't encrypted and all, all, all the rest of it. Um, 
and then just taking that a little bit further uh, when we get into the space of you know, how do we how do we make sure that the the gap in attainment uh, so we don't lose all of those really important and hard fought gains over the last few years mm-hmm. in terms of the attainment gap um, I, uh, technology on its own is not necessarily the solution because even if a child has a device and, and that isn't that, 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 that isn't universal um, you also need a safe place to learn on that device mm-hmm. and we shouldn't assume that children across the country have a, a little corner at their, of their house they can just park themselves and engage in science, math, English and so forth through technology uh, when often children are in very turbulent environments. So, again, um, you know, I don't, I don't think we can underestimate the challenges around around uh, technology, connectivity, devices, mm. infrastructure, uh, and, and so forth. And, 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 and Stephen's quite right. Um, the national effort, you know, to, to make sure that where possible there is connectivity and there is access to... Uh, technology, it's school business leaders that are that are front and centre in mm. that effort. Indeed, and um, yeah, as we as we move as we move through the sort of initial initial stages, do you do you think that there might be a bit more in the way of um, consolidation, um, and, and 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 you know fewer schools staying open, potentially more schools joining up around home learning. I think I think it's a it's a, it's a really sensitive uh, um, area of discussion because uh, government are are very guarded about um, even a suggestion of uh, you know a, 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 um, a loosening of the restrictions. Mm-hmm. So every time a minister's uh, in front of the media, any suggestion that there is a time a timeline for the end of restrictions mm. or significant end to the restrictions uh, that that's met with you know we, we have to respect the the current measures stay at home if possible save save lives and all the rest of it but i know that in the background there are lots of conversations going on about uh, when schools might return and it it feels like uh, it's it's one of the areas of, of a public life that may see the first return to to, to some semblance of of normality mm. Um, and, and again, it, it feels like um, the early years would be would, would be the first group to be going back in maybe a, a, a staggered way. Um, but this is this is pure speculation. Mm. So you know, take take this in the spirit in which it, which I'm I'm offering comment. Yeah. It's you know I, I don't have intelligence that that's that's leading me to this mm. conclusion other than looking beyond our own borders and the. Uh, the, the conversations that are going on, uh, you know, across uh, across the sector, you know, with with, with the unions and, and other and other key stakeholders, and I think, you know, the uh, the, um, the suggestions that are being made to Secretary of State, but there's no sense well, for, for me anyway. I, I don't I don't have any inside track on on where ministers are with all of this, um, but but yeah, I mean, I think what your 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 hypothesis, I think, is is uh, is well. Uh, well grounded in the you know the, the likelihood of a return um, a phased return is, is is probably where I think things will will move uh, and, and and relatively quickly mm. I, I suspect 
I think we're starting to see this in the chatter around the sector already. It's kind of, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we started off hearing a lot about firefighting and, you know, every five minutes there's a new problem you have to tackle. Now it's settled a little bit and the conversation has shifted more to making remote learning as effective as it can be and thinking about the summer, making the summer term in whatever form that takes, mm. you know, be as effective as possible. But then also looking ahead and what September might look like, how you reintegrate everybody into school, how you patch these transitions that would normally have happened, for instance, between um, nursery and reception or between year six and, and secondary, how you make all of these things work as well as possible, but with the quite significant caveat that lots of school leaders seem to be expecting that there will be, um, you know, they're, they're planning for the potential of another lockdown period at some point in the next academic year or um, or indeed phased opening. So they're, they're doing a little bit more scenario planning in that way and they're kind of expecting that a bit, which I suppose is really encouraging. It means that it means that people are keeping a really close eye on what's going on and are, are in a sense probably mm. anticipating a little bit better than the government is what, what the impact is likely to be on their school and what's going to be feasible. Yeah, and um, St Steve, just your thoughts there about about is there a sort of change, uh, you know, post Easter um, across your trust? Uh, are you consolidating your your work a bit a bit more, having fewer schools open, or or anything like that? Changing anything about your home learning, and 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 what is your thought around the the sort of future? Yeah, well, at the moment, all of our schools are still open. Um, we had the conversation with the, it's a predominantly primary-led trust, and we had the conversation with the parents who are sending children to us, and there was concern that if we consolidated the schools into a lesser number of schools, just the issues of transportation, getting the children there when they're working after shift, etc., and not to mention the practical aspects of getting teachers and vulnerable carers, carers of vulnerable children in the right places. So we're keeping all of our schools open at the moment. Um, I don't think we'll see a great rise in numbers coming through unless we get an increase in numbers of coronavirus in the area. And at this point in time, the numbers seem relatively stable. Um, who knows? And you know, goodness, I hope the numbers continue to drop. Mm. Um, the language and the thinking and the mentality around this trust at the moment in terms of where are we going? I think it's important to remember it was only four weeks ago that we actually had guidance that the schools were going to close. And you know, schools, uh, Stephen, Stephen said it earlier himself, that schools closed very, very quickly and they did all the logistical work on getting to being able to run remotely. We have time now to be able to plan. And whilst we will wait for the guidance to come out nationally as to when and how that happens, we have the luxury of having people being able to put proper planning time into how do we do that safely, how do we do it most effectively. And you know, one of my biggest concerns is how do we close that gap quickly where mm. between the progress of children? Because some will have, through circumstances of family life or through personal efforts, etc., will have continued to make good progress at home. And some children will unfortunately have slipped back a bit and that gap may well have widened. And how do we close that gap of knowledge and of learning as quickly as possible, um, as safely as possible? And that planning is beginning to take place now. So what conceptually could that look like?
Yeah, um, and as, as you alluded to um, there, Kaylee, as well, we've got there are a lot of there are a lot of issues um, when when school does does resume. You know, a lot of um, social and emotional, psychological um, work around people meeting face to face again, potentially loss, bereavement in that community. Um, you know, children being concerned about re return to measures, and and you know, there's 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 a whole there's a whole host of things there in the sort of mental health area, um, but um, but also the the lost learning, um, and and um, I'm assuming um, that there'll be some sort of um, practical, um, technical, and and you know, kind of. Uh, uh, financial potentially con considerations. Um, if if a school is is running at very much a sort of skeleton skeleton staff and etc. At, at this point, what what are the sorts of of, of issues that um, that they might be facing? Um, also in terms of kind of uh, HR and, and personnel, we know that recruitment activity has has, has slowed down quite a lot. Um, so, so thoughts there about when when schools do return, um, what, what some of the some of the other other issues might might be. Um, Stephen, what are your what are your thoughts? I mean, there's a, there's, there's a few things. Uh, one is that there's clearly a, a an issue with um, with the normal transition, if you like, from um, a a cohort of, a cohort of teachers, some of which will. Uh, be thinking about their next move. Uh, it's about this time that, that, that the teachers are reflecting on uh, whether they want to stay in the institutions that they're in right now, whether they're thinking of mm -hmm. moving on uh, and career progression and, and so forth. Some will have will have indeed resigned, and and then uh, schools normally enter that phase, that kind of aggressive phase of, of recruitment. And clearly, that's quite difficult. Uh, although I, I, I have to say. Um, that uh, some of the big, some of the, the big agencies, the big recruitment agencies, are are actually getting you know, have developed quite a, quite a a, 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 um, a useful pipeline of candidates using remote uh, remote interview techniques um, and, and and even have prepared um, inductions. Um, now, this is unprecedented, uncharted territory, so you know, it's difficult to see how that's going to going to play out. So, but but nevertheless, this whole space is going to be cause increased anxiety for for, for school leaders. So, uh, what what does their what does their cohort of teachers look like in September? Um, have they filled all the spaces? Have they got have they taken a punt on you know this virtual interview uh, proposition? And you know how will they? integrating you know, brand new teachers integrating themselves into a, an education system which looks completely different to anything we've ever experienced all, all of that is, is is up in the up in the air um but for the more stable areas of of, of, uh, of the operation um I, I i suspect that um it's more more than uh, whether those members of staff are available to do the tasks they did before. It's the adaptation. So we've adapted to the new normal, but we also have to, you know, to the, to the recovery phase um, and to the return to, to to normality. And that, in its own way, will be uh, you know, shouldn't be underestimated. And I'd just like to add to that that the um, emotional strain on 
the working community and society at large uh, in the aftermath of, uh, of COVID should not be underestimated. I mean, I've got family in Europe, I have family in Madrid who've uh, suffered the worst of, uh, you know, the worst that the, the virus can throw at, at, at society. And they're now starting to see the ripple effects and, and children who you know, were quite, by their very nature, are quite robust and resilient, uh, are now starting to show symptoms of, of anxiety um, and, um, and, and restlessness um, that wasn't apparent before. Um, so there's the children's mental health to look after. There are also members of the workforce that may have lost family members or may have suffered themselves. Uh, they may have had periods of uh, period, long periods of time in hospital and come out the other side. And, and you know, to, to a greater or lesser degree, there will be a post-traumatic stress um, explosion post mm. this this trauma, uh, and we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready to, to, to meet that challenge uh, head on. So there's a few things there, and I know you know quickly kind of skirted over them, but there's uh, there, there's a there's a basket of issues that I think we need to work through over the next few uh, weeks and months. And there's this very real you know disruption to the rhythm. Of a of a school year, you know there, there aren't there aren't those traditional moments as you were saying, Kaylee, those moments of transition for for children saying goodbye to colleagues mo- who are moving on, um, but there is you know a very real lack of pause, you know that you know there will uh, unlikely to be much of a break, particularly for these school business leaders who've been you know spinning always spinning plates and and generally work over the holidays in lots of cases anyway um you know there's there's a real there as you say is a real um issue there about about how how fit for work um lots of people will will be in in the future and all of these and all of these things you know there's a lot of stuff that school business leaders will be quite used to dealing with and used to thinking about you know so for instance you know we're talking about um, gaps in learning or, or lost learning, um, if, you know, schools have sources of information they use to make judgments about where they need to improve and, and what that improvement needs to look like and school business leaders either feed into those conversations or take those conversations and build them into, you know, business plans or development plans and, you know, big chunks of information are going to be missing now mm-hmm. um, and, you know, kind of a whole year's worth of worth of assessment data is going to be gone. How do you make a robust decision about what the school needs and what does the school business leader need to do to reassure themselves that they're, you know, putting resources in the right place? If you have schools that are dealing with high levels of, you know, as you say, you know, unfortunately, um, pupil or staff um, kind of anxiety or post-traumatic stress or bereavement, um, what sorts of investment in, in people and pupils and pastoral support for, for everyone in the school community might be necessary that wouldn't necessarily have been before, you know, maintained schools will have just gone through a, an entire budget setting process and then may have to throw that out the window because all of that lettings income that you were planning on using to invest in, you know, certain projects is now gone. How do you, how do you reconsider mm. what you were doing? So it's just going to be a bit of a weird year, I think, in terms of everyone getting their feet again and almost starting from scratch and not, not taking anything from the year before as given, which will, will, will lead to quite quite a lot of challenges for, for school business managers and, and, and things like that. 
and and Steve um sitting sitting in the in the hot seat there um what's what's your what's your take yeah, and uh, you know, my, my first day in this role was actually the day that we closed the schools down on a one-on-one basis. Whoa! was a big day to start. Um, yeah, well, no, not all. The guys, the, you know, the guys and girls and teachers in our classrooms are, uh, and in our, yeah, they're not me. Um, I see a sense of opportunity for us to reset and for us to take stock of what we've done and in relation to budgeting yes clearly absolutely right it's going to be a big challenge um but and it's a big but the sector has not really embraced what i call zero-based budgeting and you know building up from a what do we need it's it's historically tended to be on the basis of going to our colleagues and saying this is what you had last year plus or minus a couple of percent um, depending upon whoever's winning the argument and shouting the loudest in the school and that's not a good way to set an effective budget and something as disruptive as COVID allows us to effectively take a fresh sheet of paper and say what do we want what do we want to deliver what's going to have the most impact for our students and let's prioritize that funding and so I think it's an opportunity for us whilst incredibly difficult to get budgeting on a better basis moving forward and that's going to help us in the medium and longer term as well and yeah come back to what I said right at the start Difficulties always create opportunities, and I think this is one of those where we can actually, as a sector, take the learning from what comes out of it and do better as a result. And so I take the opportunity and say, yes, this is, we can do something with this. I know there are many schools that are struggling, particularly on the free school meal funding. I've seen some that are saying they need the cash just to actually be able to afford to pay out the free school meal vouchers. And then there's guidance uh, from the government that is the COVID funding will only be available if your school goes into deficit. And some schools are saying, well, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. Nationally, we run on taxpayers' money. And my take is that actually we should have a national perspective on this. And whilst if you have put implemented integrated curriculum financial planning, you're running good budgets, you're running a surplus that makes sense, and you're investing in the right places, congratulations. We absolutely should be doing that anyway. And you know, it, it's not tough that we then can't use that surplus to support our schools when, when we need to respond to these crises. If every school was to receive COVID bailout money in terms of the extra costs, that only increases the public deficit the taxpayer needs to fund, and ultimately we're taxpayer funded. And this isn't just an economic issue, but I think it's a national issue, that let's put the money where we need to put the money and use the good management we've got to manage our resources the most effectively way we can. Yeah, and I think with, you know, because we're dealing with the sort of totality of the human condition with this crisis um, and, you know, families as a whole and not just, you know, children's individual educations here, um, dis decision making and prioritisation, you know, kind of happens quite naturally. And, and obviously, you know, driving to get food to people who need to eat takes priority and precedence over a whole bunch of other things. Um, but as you say, it's trying to trying to unpick some of this um, afterwards, and and thinking of thinking about what what you might what you might change and how you might work work differently uh, going forward. Um, any particular advice that you that you want to share or or, or practice um, from from your from your trust? Given given you've not been there very long, Steve, uh, uh, it's fine to say no. Uh, but just if there's anything that you'd like to share. Yeah. I what has really struck me about this trust, and it, you know, it's fair to say I'm, I've had very limited impact, I've only been here a couple of weeks, 
what has really struck me, and I'm humbled by it, is the collaboration between colleagues across the schools within the trust. Um, the spirit of willingness to partner up and work with and to find a solution that is right rather than just sticking to the constraints of a job description or whatever is expected of them. It's a roll the sleeves up, get stuck in, what do we need to do that's in the best interest of our kids? And that's been really humbling for me and really powerful as I kind of look towards the future and say, where's this trust going? How can we pull this together? We've got a really strong core and mm -hmm. there's a really strong base to work from is that, that sense of teamwork that will last. Yeah, tough times don't last, tough teams do. And Oh, yeah, I like that. That may really be the Steve Morales quote that I've taken from Stephen. So. <laughs> but, it, but it's true. And I think that that's something I've really learned over the last couple of weeks is that here, yeah, at Oak, we've got a really strong team to move forward. Great. And um, uh, thinking about about moving moving forward and and what might might change in education as a as a result of, of, of some of the activity that we're experiencing now. Um, any, any thoughts, um, uh, Stephen and, and Kaylee on, on, on that? Kaylee, I'll come to you first. Oh, sorry, um, you might need to repeat that question. You went a bit fuzzy there. Sorry, um, just, just in terms of sort of looking, looking to the future and, uh, and, and beyond, any, any sense of what you think might, might change or what you hope might change in education as a result of some of what we've seen? really interesting um you do wonder how much of the wider conversation society is having about um flexible approaches to work um mm. might make its way into the education sector now obviously as you know as we'll see from the you know we're seeing people testing what works in terms of good remote remote learning and um and what's a bit more of a struggle um but you do wonder the extent to which these lessons might rub off in terms of flexibility, um, both for staff and in an approach to teaching. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there will probably be lots of really great lessons learned about what really great homework looks like. Um, what does a really great home learning activity look like? How do you use that stuff well? How do yeah. you help kids maximize their time at home? so that maybe we'll learn some really interesting lessons about how to support more disadvantaged peoples or, or peoples who we've considered traditionally don't have the support at home they need to get the resources they need to kind of drive their learning independently when they're not in school. Mm -hmm. I think that that might, might be some really interesting developments there for the sector. Um, but I think it's going to, I think, really it's going to reinforce something actually, which is just how important um, high quality instruction and a high quality curriculum are for schools and how important it is to have the right people, treat them really well, support them in their well-being as well as, um, you know, as well as professionally. And, and that, you know, that's the, that's the key thing. I think it will actually reinforce what we already know in that sense yeah and I, I feel in on, on your point about home home learning and homework a lot more parents are going to be engaging schools in that conversation after this <laughs> uh, which schools will have to prepare for yeah nothing else you would like to hope that an entire um an entire 
country full of parents has now learned just how hard it is to keep a class of 30 kids yeah. on task. I'm having a hard time with three. Yeah. I, can't, I can't even imagine. But just, um, you, do, you do wonder whether this, you know, maybe we'll have some, have a lovely tailwind yeah. for parental engagement. <laughs> Let's hope. Uh, never mind looking after a class of 30. I'm sure we're going to just keep it with Joe Wicks at nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, that, that is superhuman, though. <laughs> 9am is too early for that kind of exercise. Indeed. And uh, Stephen, any thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as we, as we uh, press that uh, metaphorical reset button, uh, I think there's a few things. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, taking a glass half full uh, view of this. I think teacher status will inevitably uh, improve as a consequence of this. That's, that's that's a great mm. thing. We, we, you know, we, we, we've been calling for that for, for years, and, and hopefully, uh, teachers will emerge as uh, as as you know really critical professional members of society and on a par with lawyers and accountants and, and so forth. Um, I think the assessment regime will be looked at again very closely. Um, so you know, we're, we're going to use we're going to use uh, all sorts of proxies for exams this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that works. Mm. Could that be uh, could that be the um, the gateway to a new another way of doing things? I know some some union leaders are calling for that. And the accountability framework will look very different. I think funding could 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 look different. And Stevens Stevens alluded to that. Uh, I think. Technology and artificial intelligence. I mean, it's been coming at us uh, like a freight train for some time, and, and I think uh, this really may sharpen our focus, and that may accelerate things. Um, and what I'm hoping for, and, and, I, and I'm going back to, 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 to comments that Stephen made, is that we don't use the very recent past as the reference point anymore. Um, maybe this is a, this is an opportunity for us to, you know, press the reset. Have a look at what a uh, an effective world class education system looks like, and and how we uh, how we think creatively about how we how we construct that, and not just use legacy as the only uh, as, as the only reference point. So um, I, I think those those are all reasons to, 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 to feel quite optimistic about the future, notwithstanding the you know the the, the, the terrible. Um, the, the, the terrible consequence of a uh, of a global pan pandemic. Um, yeah, and and finally, um, uh, I'm going to come to to you all and ask if you have any any particular points you'd like to make to school business leaders listening, um, and anywhere that 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 school business professionals can go to get uh, more support. So, uh, Steve. Yeah, I'm, firstly, I'm sure everyone agrees on this. Thank you. Uh, thank you to all school business leaders out there for what they're doing, for the selfless work. I know you put in way more hours than you'd be contracted to. Some of you have worked when you're actually term time only, and you've put, you've put in all kinds of effort over the last couple of weeks. Thank you. That effort is um, not only gratefully appreciated by the schools, your parents, your families, your colleagues, it is appreciated by the sector nationally, I'm sure. And uh, out of this we will emerge stronger as a sector stronger as a profession uh, with more credibility and that's strength to our elbow in terms of how we move this forward in terms of the work we do trying to make sure that we're putting in place provision across all of our schools that lets our teachers teach you know they didn't get into the profession into their own profession to do the administration the organizational structure work that we do and 
effective schools are the collaboration of excellent teaching, financial sustainability and operational excellence. That's where we can really bring ourselves to that effective team together and put ourselves in the centre of that mix. So thank you for what you do. Great stuff. And uh, Stephen? So, so of course we, we hope that, that, that uh, colleagues, school business leaders, members um, uh, are finding the, uh, the information that we provide them useful. Um, and we're trying to, you know, we're, trying, we're doing our very best to, to synthesise uh, the guidance as it, as it comes in. Um, but but I, I, I go back to what I said earlier. I think school, school business leaders shouldn't be looking for absolutes all the time. You know, so trust your judgment. You know, if, you, if, you, if instinctively it feels right, then it probably... You know, don't always look for, for guidance for every, every step of the way. Uh, the other thing I think that it, to, to note is that guidance is only the product of feedback from the sector and conversations that various uh, national organisations are having with government officials. Um, you know, there isn't some magic uh, machine churning this out. It's, it's, it's only the conversations that are being had. So, uh, again, what I would encourage all school business leaders, school business leaders head teachers, trustees, governors, anybody involved in education to be part of the solution, not the problem. So if the guidance isn't as good as it could be or, or, or if it's misle- it feels misleading, try to help make it better. You know, what parts of it aren't working for you uh, and what parts do we, do we need more clarity on? And we'll take that back to our, our political masters and civil servants and we'll try and get a, a better, a better set, set of guidance. Um, but actually to be rubbishing what's out there uh, without offering any kind of solution isn't helpful. So I think we just need to work really closely together. We need to have each other's backs. I echo what Stephen said. School business leaders, teachers, uh, those involved in in keeping uh, our education uh, establishments going uh, are doing a tremendous job. And I I have publicly uh, called for all those individuals to be uh, recognised on a Thursday evening when people clap. You know, they're every part uh, uh, of the front line as um, as as, as medical colleagues, um, firefighters, and policemen, and and, and all of those other uh, uh, very heroic public servants. but, you know, we will get through this, I, I have no doubt. I think there's reasons to be really optimistic um, because I think it's an opportunity to, to reflect and, and, and think again. Um, but as ever, uh, and I think we saw this, you know, during uh, during various periods of our history, uh, the, the Second World War was probably the closest that we've, we've got to this, is that we... We got through it because we worked collaboratively. We worked together, not against each other. So as long as we keep that front and centre, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be absolutely, absolutely fine. Some great advice there, particularly to to engage in, in, in improving the guidance. And uh, Kaylee, um, I think yeah. I mean, I think that as as colleagues have said, I think the most important thing here is actually um, to lean less. On, on the government advice and, and to lean on each other, that there's a lot of really creative thinking happening. Um, you know, the school down the road from you has probably, you know, is having the same challenges, they're having the same thoughts. 
um, lean on each other, lean on those communities. We know that school business leaders in particular build really excellent local networks um, that they lean on for all kinds of day-to-day -day challenges. Use those networks. Um, you know, at the, at the key, we're, we're also trying to bring some of those community suggestions in and foreground them so that they're easier to find and that you can kind of um, uh, kind of sift a bit more, I guess. But but there's there's loads of avenues for this, and to really to really lean on that stuff. That's where the creative stuff, that's where the time solving stuff is going to come because your colleagues know exactly what your day to day job looks like in a way that the government never will. Um, and so it's I just really encourage people to to lean on each other in that way and kind of like double down on the community aspect. I think. Um, but yeah, we're also um, you know we're also at the key, we're also trying to kind of publish as much guidance as we possibly can, as many practical solutions and practical tools, and, and all of that is free to every school in the country at the moment. And so, um, if you if you need something, you 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 know who to tell because if we don't have it, we'll make it for you. Um, and so, you know, it's it's those um, you know it's those sorts of those sorts of things. But like lean on lean on each other, I guess is what I would say. That's that's where the best support is going to come from. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much. And I'll pop a link to um, both the ISBL um, web pages that are relevant and also um, the the keys uh, uh, the keys content as well in in our in the notes for this uh, podcast. But thank you all so much for for giving up time in what I know are very very busy and 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 hectic schedules um, for talking to our listeners. So thank you very much. Pleasure. Great. Uh, <laughs> thank you for inviting us. Lovely stuff. And thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. Please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.